This message is a recording from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space to practice the ways of Jesus together as the multi-ethnic family of God. Okay, good evening. Uh, my name is Erin Dooley, and my pronouns are she, her. And uh, normally before we begin, I always I want to get in the rhythm and the habit of a land acknowledgement, a proper land acknowledgement. And so um, I want to begin with that, to acknowledge and honor the Native people that existed here before us. This land that we dwell upon today, Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Phoenix, is the ancestral land of the Thana Otham Nation. We acknowledge their historical roots in this place and the many generations who were stewards of this land before it was stolen from them. Often when I prepare these messages, I generally am pulling from many different voices, many different books, and I'm praying and asking the Lord, what is it that he has for us? This is the first Sunday and the first season of Advent. And with that being said, um, normally throughout the message, I might quote someone and say, this person said this, this person said this. I'm quoting quite a few people tonight, so I thought I'd just name them in the beginning. So I'm just going to let you know that um, what I'm about, what I prepared tonight is a mix of Wilda C. Gaffney and her writings about Advent, as well as Fleming Rutledge. Rutledge's book about Advent and my own thoughts as well. But it was so good as I was reading and preparing, I thought, just stick the whole thing in there by Gaffney. Just stick the whole thing in there by Rutledge's. So I just want to let you know that. But of course, if you would like a copy of my notes, you're always welcome to. I like to um, put those up for people that might just be curious and want to study more and learn more. So with that being said, let's move on. Let's begin. We are waiting. We are waiting in the dark. We are waiting in the holy darkness. We are waiting in the womb of God. Between this advent and the next, we wait. The prophet Isaiah waited. Isaiah waited for the restoration of Israel after the Assyrian invasion and did not live to see it. Waiting time can be anxious time because there is no guarantee that we ourselves will see that for which we yearn. Maybe this is how the woman, the women in Iran feel right now. If you haven't heard, the Iran government is planning to proceed with a death penalty for over 14,000 protesters, students, and teens who are, were arrested for protesting after the death of Mahasa Amini, who died from being severely beaten by police because she didn't properly wear her hijab. There is even word that they will rape virgin girls to stop them from going to heaven. Like Isaiah said, and like Isaiah, the women of Iran are waiting too. But Isaiah did not wait alone. He waited with a woman who was his companion in the labor of prophecy and pregnancy. The labor that brought forth at least one of his children and together they waited with children and disciples who would outlive them and go on to write in Isaiah's name. For 200 years, their children and disciples and their children and disciples and theirs and theirs waited. In that time, things went from bad to worse. The Babylonians came and defeated the Assyrians, and Israel was still not free. 
I lost my place there for a second. (laughs) Jerusalem fell. The temple fell. The nation fell. The people were sent into exile, and they waited. They waited for God to deliver them. They told the stories of God's deliverance passed down from generation to generation, including those at Isaiah's hand. And while they waited, some died without seeing the liberation of their people. Just as it had happened before in Egypt, some died promising their children that God would come. Some died under the heels of the Assyrian boots, believing that God would come and deliver her people. Some died in the ruin of Jerusalem. Some died on the trail of tears to Babylon. Some died in exile. And yet, they believed. And when they could not believe, they hoped. This is the story of Israel and their desperate desire to be delivered from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and other armies keeping them from God's promise of life and equality. But in a similar way, we are here, the first Sunday of Advent, waiting for God to deliver us in many different ways. We're still telling the stories of God's deliverance passed down from generation to generation. And while we wait, some have died without seeing the liberation of their people. Some have died promising us, their children, that God will come. Some have died under the heels of oppression's boots, believing that God would come and deliver her people. Some have died in the streets of Phoenix, Some have died on the trail of tears to empire. Some have died in exile, and yet we sit here in these pews asking ourselves, do we have reason to believe? And when we cannot believe, will we have hope? It's okay to ask the hard questions. That's one thing I appreciate about the community of Kaleo, is that we aren't afraid to ask hard questions. And more than that, we're not afraid to admit that we don't have the answers to those questions. The very season of Advent beckons us to ask the hard questions about the darkness of waiting. If God has truly come in Jesus Christ, why do things remain as they are? Why do so many terrible things happen? Where is God? These are the Advent questions. The church has been asking them from the beginning, going all the way back to the first century. The early Christians were facing a crisis. Voices within and without the community were saying, where is the king? Show us some kind of evidence. He said he would return, but there is no sign of him. The world has not improved. Where is God? And in its perplexity, the young church told and retold a story to herself, a story once told by Jesus of Nazareth, the parable of the doorkeeper. But before we get there, let's start at the beginning of this chapter and imagine the setting. Jesus and the disciples were walking through the temple grounds, looking at the various buildings 
Jesus had just left the temple, and when this took place, the setting was one of peace and tranquility. Try to place yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They expected Jesus to move into power as the Messiah and overthrow the Romans. In the previous chapter, Jesus changed from a peaceful teacher to one of wrath as he strongly opposed the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees. Perhaps the disciples saw this and wondered if Jesus was now stepping into the role as Messiah in the form that the Jewish people had expected. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, from the modern perspective, many think the disciples' question speaks of when Jesus will return. However, when the disciples asked the question, it had an entirely different meaning. Their question was not, what will be the sign of your coming, as in coming back from a trip? It was coming as in, when are you going to step into the position of power? The end of the age to them was not an end times as we think of it. It was a question that focused upon the immediate oppression of the Roman Empire. This question was focused upon the immediate problem of the Roman government and expected military role of the Messiah. They expected Jesus to move into power and to lead the Jewish people into freedom. The Old Testament prophets foretold the millennial reign of the coming Messiah, so they expected that Jesus would step into the role during his lifetime. Jesus then uses their misunderstanding to springboard into the prophecy concerning end times, which brings us to the parable of the doorkeeper. Mark 13, 34 through 37. Jesus said, It is like a man going on a journey. He leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cock crow or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. So what I say to you, I say to all, watch. We can still feel the tension in the atmosphere of the parable because if it wasn't for the master, the household would have no reason for existing, yet he is away. The expectation of his return is the driving force behind all the household activity, yet often it seems that he will never come. Everybody has been told to be in a state of perpetual readiness, yet sometimes it seems as though it has all been a colossal mistake. It's okay to ask those hard questions. We do not know why God delays so long. We do not know why he so often hides his face. We do not know why so many have to suffer so much with so little apparent meaning. All we know is that there is this rumor, this hope, this expectation that the master of the house is coming back. 
And while we wait, our invitation is to join with those who suffer. Until Jesus comes again, he is hidden among us with those who suffer. He is hidden in the wounded surgeon, the bleeding victim, the one who hung on the tree a curse for our sake. It is this hiddenness that gives Advent its special character. If Jesus is the Son of God, he is also the one who identifies himself with the least, the last, and the lost, who takes their part, who was born into the world as a member of the lowest class on the social ladder and identifies himself with our human fate all the way to the end. He gives himself up to die the brutal, shameful, and dehumanizing death of a slave. Even Jesus, in every aspect of his life on earth, joined those who suffered. On December 21st, 1988, Pan Am Flight 103 crashed. And like many of the other families who suffered, there was a woman who feared God, but also lost her husband. And she gave herself in service to, the, to others who had lost their loved ones in the plane crash. She did not clutch at the scented candles and the holiday ideals, but followed her calling to go out among others who suffer. While she waited in darkness, she found light in joining those who suffered. That is the story of the church, waiting between the first advent and the next. And that is something with which the disciples of Jesus struggled. They were waiting for someone born of David's line to take the crown and the throne and rule an earthly kingdom and kick out the Romans and make everything like it used to be, you know, back to normal. But Jesus knew there is no going back and charted a new path forward. Kendall and I were in North Carolina a few weeks ago and while we were there, we stopped in Greensboro, North Carolina to hang out with his uncle, Uncle Chris Dooley. Uncle Chris took us to the Civil Rights Museum in Greensboro and then took us to dinner. And it was at dinner that he said something really interesting. He was inviting us to pay attention to what people do when they're lost. He said, when you are lost, your immediate inclination is to go back to where you came from. When you cannot see what new thing God is doing, your instinct is to leave where you are and go back to what was familiar. I believe our passage tonight suggests that Jesus' invitation to us as his followers is to remain on watch, to wait and watch for what the Spirit is doing here and now. While we wait, may we pray, Lord, give us eyes to see where you are in the middle of the darkness. Let us not grow weary of watching and waiting. Let us not grow weary of looking for the new thing that you are doing here and now. Let us not leave where we are and go backwards in an attempt to make something great again. 
Maybe this national obsession to go back to the way things used to be is an indicator that there are many who are lost and afraid and cannot see where God is in the justice and equality for all people because it feels like darkness to oppressors. The Advent story itself is not just about the people that did show up for the birth of Jesus, but it's also about all the people that missed out on the birth of Jesus, which would be most, almost everyone, actually, at that time, if you think about it. And the same truth would be true for us today if we're not careful. Let us not miss it. There is something happening in the midst of all of this darkness. That is what we put our hope in, to find, search, and look with anticipation that God is still moving, and we can be a part of that if we would just stay woke, literally. As the band comes up, I would invite you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable and just take a deep breath as you reflect on the things that you've heard tonight. Ask Jesus, what do you want me to know about Advent, about waiting and watching in the darkness? What do you want me to do? Let's listen. Unexpected God, your advent alarms us. Wake us from drowsy worship, from the sleep that neglects love, and the sedative of misdirected frenzy. Awaken us now to your coming and bend our angers into your peace. Amen. If this message encouraged you, let us know or share it with someone you know. For more information about Kaleo, visit kaleophx.com or follow us on social media at kaleophx.com.